0: good to be in the house of God. Amen? Amen. I want to encourage you, the scripture that Angelica shared in the beginning, uh, Proverbs chapter 3, powerful words. I want to encourage you to hold fast to the promises of God. Amen? Amen. I want to also invite you this morning, if you have your worship folder, your program there inside, there are a number of announcements you should be aware of. I'm not going to go through these. I just want to encourage you to read through, be up to speed on what God is doing in our midst. Some key things coming up this week, very particularly this coming Thursday night, our fellowship has adopted the night strike down on the uh, streets of Portland, and so we want to encourage your involvement. Also, uh, a week from this coming Saturday, we have our community-wide outreach, which is our Easter egg hunt. And we need lots of folks to come and love on kids. If you like loving on kids, just simply raise your hand and say, "Hey, you can think of." There you go. That's good. Amen. We need y'all. There's a sign-up in the foyer. There's lots of other things there, but we'll let you read those on your own. I want to dive into uh, this morning's service. We have with us this morning a special treat, close, very close friend of mine. I'd put him in that top three uh, friends, and he's just he's been a he's been an amazing brother. He's been an amazing friend. He's been an amazing peer to do ministry with, and he's been a mentor in my life. He's, he's rubbed uh, as that iron sharpening iron. He's helped me to see Jesus in a greater way, and it's, it's just been tremendous, and uh, we get to do ministry together. He's a great husband. He's a great father, and he's a great follower of Jesus. He's coming this morning to share... In a ministry that we're already somewhat involved in, we want to be more involved in. And I want you to hear his heart. I want you to hear about the ministry of Bridgetown. Will you give a warm hillside welcome as Marshall Snyder comes to share this morning?
1: Well, good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? Good, good, good. Well, like you, I I had that. I got up this morning, and my phone. I thought my phone would switch over automatically, and it kind of didn't. And I kind of freaked out for a minute, but I did take a shower, so praise the Lord. So, come talk to me. I don't know about the teeth brushing thing, but that's all right. So, well, it's good to be with you this morning. And you know, I just want to echo to uh, to the Morris family, but also to so many friends in here that I have been a part of. And I look out here and I see faces and and uh, that have walked with us. Uh, on the journey of Bridgetown, for you know, we've been doing it for thirteen years now, and uh, it's just been it's been amazing to uh, to be a part of such a great opportunity. But to look at people that have gone on the journey with you and have been on the journey with you, and have walked with you, uh, Dave and I sat in an office many times and dreamed about things and drew pictures and uh, laughed about stuff and just saw God doing great things, and we stepped out and and began to to do this journey and i'll share about that um a little bit more but i i just also have to make a shout out um we the first night we went under the burnside bridge the very 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 first night we went there uh we're standing out there and i think i had like 10 or 12 people watching to see if i'd actually do this it's like the proverbial penguin that they toss off into the water to see if the shark will eat him well i was the penguin they pushed it off the sea, and then they thought oh he didn't get beat up or knifed so let's uh Keep going back, and they kept calling and saying, "Hey, we want to keep doing this." And um, but there was one guy that was there, and has been there, and continues to be there every single Thursday, and he's here, and that's Darren McCarthy. Darren, raise your hand back there. And uh, uh, I don't know about you, but I feel extremely safe when Darren McCarthy is with me. <laughs> extremely safe. And uh, although we're both getting older now, so we probably pray that nothing will happen to us. We don't want to have to really do anything because we're afraid we probably would get beat up now, but uh, I do appreciate, I appreciate you, Darren. I appreciate your passion to be down there. You're a lovely guy, and you love people, and that's what our mission statement is, is, loving people because people matter, and you exemplify that. Every week, he's bringing coats down. He's bringing blankets down. He is just coming down and loving on people, and he's been faithful every week from the first night when we needed power he and his lovely bride they brought they borrowed I hope they borrowed they probably let PG and I PG and E know they borrowed a PG and E generator and were able to uh, we were able to have lights the first night because of their their ministry but Darren has continued on and being there every single week and so we love you Darren and we appreciate you and I just wanted to publicly say that today because you have been a blessing to many so thank you thanks for being a part Um, behind every successful man they always say is an exhausted woman that's what they say because really the success is found in the woman that the man is with in my opinion and so this morning I I get to travel with my bride was a long drive from Canby all the way here and uh but my wife Leslie's here with me today there she is right there so awesome Oh, but we are here, and it's, it's, uh, it's great to be with you and to just kind of share a little bit about what we're doing at Bridgetown and what's been going on and, and how God's been using this opportunity for us to continue to love people because people matter. And, and that's our mission statement, you know. And I think one of the things that we do, we, don't, we, we have to be careful with, careful with, is a lot of people start with the what rather than the why. So they start with what we do rather than why we do it. And they can't explain why they do it because they've seen a what and they've seen other things going. And so they just start with that what part. And so for us, the why in Bridgetown is this, simply loving people because people matter. That's our why. That's why we suck air. That's what it's about. That's where it comes from. And then our what is the, the mission. It's the, it's the vision of what it looks like. So the mission is loving people because people matter. And then that, that vision of what it's going to look like. So we create these relational environments, is what we call them. Relational environments that provide three things. Mobilization, relief, and transformation. And so our metaphor that guides us, that kind of gives us our passion, comes from the scripture and it comes from um, the book of Luke. Let me get my little machine on here so I don't butcher the verses. Uh, In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, and it's the Good Samaritan story. We've all heard it. We've all read it. But that kind of guides us as we go along to see what we're doing, to keep us focused on our why, which is loving people because people matter. And there's very few scriptures where Jesus, I think there's one or maybe three, where Jesus says, now do it this way. He teaches, one of the scriptures is when he talks to us about how we're supposed to pray. And he says, when you pray, do it this way. Now, I don't know about you, but we all have all kinds, there are so many books on prayer and so many books on prayer strategies, but yet the creator of prayer and the creator of life and all of the universe tells us how we should pray. And I think when he tells us how we should pray, we should probably be praying that way, amen? Right? So when he also gives us a scripture reference, an actual thing, and he gives us a picture and a story of what does it look like to love humanity? What does it look like to serve our neighbor and love our neighbor? And he says, at the very end of this, he says, "Now, yes, now go and do the same, or go and do likewise. I think that's very important for us to look at. I think it's very important for us to take note. It should stop us in our tracks that when Jesus says, do it this way, Guys, that's the way we should do it. Wouldn't you agree? That's the way I'm living my life. I'm finding that, hey, if Jesus says do it that way, I think he wrote the book. I think he's the author and the finisher of our faith, of our salvation, of grace, of all of it. And we should be listening to that to see what it is that he says and grab a hold of it that way now how you live that out is going to be based on your personality on your wiring on your own creativity but the essence of that verse the essence of that scripture the essence of the word of God coming through is going to come out differently in me than it's going to come out in you so I might run to people under the bridge you might not you might run to rich people like Oswego and that's okay Because it's the word of God working out in your personality, in your life. Because the goal of discipleship and the goal of spiritual formation is really not to make a bunch of little Jesuses running around because Jesus had his own personality. You knew Jesus was in the room because he had a different laugh. He had a different way of doing things, right? The idea, and I love what Dallas Willard says. He says, the goal of spiritual formation is to learn how, if Jesus were to be living Marshall's life, how would Jesus live Marshall's life? Does that make sense? How would he live Pastor Dave's life if Jesus were living through Pastor Dave? He would use his personality, his wiring. So as I share my story, the idea behind this is not for you to look at me and say, oh man, I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing, I'm not under the bridge working with the poor people. I'm not, there and I need to really, and you compare yourself to other people's directions and other people's visions. You need to stop doing that. Because you know what, someone said this, there are a million crosses to die on. You need to find yours. Find your cross. Find your thing. Find that thing that God is calling you to do, and then serve it and give yourself over to it, because that's going to be where you find true fulfillment and the true sense of God making you fully alive. Is when you find that place that God has called you to serve, and it might be here. It might be making the donuts. You're, maybe you're the ministry of getting donuts. Praise God for you. <laughs> but the point is, is that you find that cross and you die on that cross and you embrace it as your cross, not mine. Not Pastor Dave's, or anyone else's, but yours. Amen? Amen. So just to end, this is a real quick thing. So we, we create relational environments to provide mobilization, relief, and transformation. When we look at the Good Samaritan story, we see mobilization as a part of what we do, because when we see that story, we see that there were some people that needed to be mobilized in there, right? And Jesus uses a Samaritan in the story. And if you know about the Samaritans, you know that they were in, in the Bible times, the, the Jews thought they were dogs. They thought they were they were a half breed people. They had created a, a false religion. Um, they had created a false place of worship. And to the Jews of those day of that the, that time, that was an abomination. And so they you literally would walk around Samaria to not actually walk through. They'd actually walk around their place so they didn't even have to get close to them. So if you got close to them, you were t- technically unclean because they were false prophets and false religious people. So for Jesus to use that person to show what does it look like to love people was very significant. And sometimes maybe you find yourself in that place where you're like, could God use me? Would God use me? Would God use me because I've got these things going on? Would Jesus use this Samaritan, I think, to blow us all away? Because it's almost like he's using, what is the church the most against right now? Who is the person that the church is most against right now? And that's like Jesus using that person to show you how the world is loved through that person. We don't know the salvation of the Samaritan. We don't know if he prayed the sinner's prayer. We don't know if he filled out the card at church. We don't know if he got water baptized. We, we just know that Jesus used him as the example to show us how we're to love other people. And what does that look like? So that should open us up to say, God, use us, use me, help me come alongside. So the first thing we see, we see in the scripture reference that there's a couple things that are going on we see that there's this priest and he sees the man over on the ditch is what I call it. he's in the ditch but he, he kind of sees he's aware and I think this is one of the things that we want to talk about we sang the song help me be aware of your presence but you know what honestly I see a lot of people that are aware of the presence but it doesn't do much for them they're just aware of it or they're aware of the need We're aware of the things that are going on around them but it doesn't compel them or move them to get into the ditch into the life with other people and see awareness is great and we are the most aware group of people as middle class people we are so aware because we have access to information and information is great but if it doesn't move us into, compel us into getting into the ditch with other people and loving them then our awareness is nothing if our awareness of God's presence of his love and his compassion for us doesn't move us to change our life and to move into a deeper relationship with Jesus there's a lot of people aware of God even the enemies aware of the presence of the Lord but it has to move us to that new place. It has to move us to that greater place in our relationship with God. Amen? Amen. So we see these two men that should know. They were the religious people. They were the church people of the day. They were the ones that should have got into the ditch. They were the ones that should have ran in compassion and jumped in the ditch and served this person in the ditch, but they didn't. They walked by, either because they were too busy or because of religious codes. Maybe he was dead, and so they don't want to touch him and, and be unclean for the day, but they moved past him. And Jesus starts with those religious people, I think for a very good reason, because it makes us look at ourselves. It makes me look at myself and how I'm living my life and how I'm doing my faith and how I'm living out my faith to make sure that I am aware, but it moves me to another place. And what happens is, this is the next step, is we have to move into that place. And so the first part of Bridgetown is mobilization. And the second part is that sense of relief to dive into the world of a broken person. To dive into the ditch with somebody that is in need of help. And we look at the ministry. We look at the ministry that this, this man did. He, the first thing is he went to him. So he, he was aware of the need. He was aware of the person in the ditch. But it didn't just stop there. He got into the ditch. And this is what compassion really is. You see, compassion is more than just being aware and, and feeling bad about something that's going on no compassion moves you in to getting into the ditch with the with the desire to relieve and pull out of the ditch that's compassion and you figure out what to do it you spend yourself as it says in Isaiah 58 that you spend yourself on behalf of the poor that you do what you can to pull them out of the ditch you do what you can to bring life to their lives and it says in the scripture that he did a couple of things and i think it's important to note that Jesus said that he went to him so there was awareness but not only that, he bandaged his wounds. He touched him. He put his hands on him. He wasn't afraid to get dirty. He wasn't afraid to, to get messy. He touched him. Then, then it says he came, he poured on oil and wine that he ministered to him. That he prayed for him, that he loved him. And in those days, they or, you know, oil and wine, it would be pretty weird right now to come under the bridge and, and put oil and wine on people. But for us, it's... it's a, bible people that for us means that we minister to them we minister to their needs we love on them we pray for them we talk to them we we encourage them we let them know that there's more to this life but then it didn't just stop there because sometimes relief can just stop there and we do all those things and it looks great but he went the next step further and he picked him up and he was inconvenienced but he didn't bother him and he put that man on his own donkey and he took, him to the, he took him to a room, didn't he? And he paid for his room, and he moved in. And I'll tell you what was interesting. It was completely irrelevant as to why that person was in the ditch. It was completely irrelevant. There was no question as to why he was in the ditch. There was no reason. No, you don't know anything very, very little about the man that was in that ditch. And this is something for us to remember because we as people that are doing well sometimes can become judgmental. We can become people that are like, well, I'm not helping them because if you do that, he'll do this and so on and so forth. But it's very irrelevant in this portion of Scripture that Jesus says we're just to love people. Why? Because they matter. So we dive into the ditch. That's what Bridgetown does. We dive into the ditch in relief. At Night Strike, you're going to see it. When you come, we provide 18 different services under the bridge. We cut hair, we wash feet, we provide medical and dental now. The biggest thing we provide is conversation, which is the biggest aid you can, you can provide for somebody. If you come down and you want to share your faith, that's completely okay. But do this for me first. Get to know their name first. Get to know their name. Find out a little bit about their story before you dive in to the most intimate story you can dive into with somebody. Get to know who they are. Find out what's going on. A lot of our people have been under there for many years and they've heard the story over and over and over again. But if you ask them over and over what what's the difference, well, this person wanted to know really about who I was. They didn't come down for just a transaction. It's come down this week, this this Thursday to love on people and just encourage them. And if you get to share your faith, that is awesome. But put your Bible, take your Bible man cape off, right? And put your Bible belt off. And come down to love on people, and if it goes there, let it go there. Don't force it. Let it happen naturally, right? Let it happen naturally in a way that you can share your faith in a real powerful and positive. Because we do want you to apply oil and wine under the bridge. We do want you to minister and love and pray for people. We want that. We don't want it to be forced. We want it to be because it's a natural part of who you are. Amen. Amen. So the next thing is he brought him to his end. He went the extra mile. He took care of him, he spent himself, Isaiah 58 said he spent himself on behalf of the poor. So this is what we're going to be doing, that's what you're going to be doing when you come on Thursday night, is coming down. I want to encourage all of you, you say, well Marsh, man, I'm scared to death, don't be afraid, come on down. Come, everybody, everybody come on down, we got a job for everyone. If you, do, if you can't come under the bridge, maybe you can go pray for this, how many of you like to pray? You're, you feel like intercession is your deal. So one person, you got some problems, bro, you just, Just one. Okay, so I got a job for you. I'm sure there are lots of you that love to pray. Well, if you want to pray, we have prayer walks. We've mapped out the whole downtown um, Portland, what we call the 405I. From 405 to Nato Parkway, we've mapped out the whole portion. And you can come pray over the city, all of this whole group. We can come pray over the whole city, the downtown quarter, in one night. You can do that. We've mapped it out for you. We have walks for you. Maybe you don't want to do that. Maybe you want to walk around the city. We'll give you sandwiches, coffee, socks, and you can walk around and look for people in the doorways that can't make it under the bridge, and you can just go sit down and have a conversation with them for a couple of hours in in the downtown corridor. It's just a a love of a light, just a big light bulb that turns on for a couple of hours and goes into the city and lets people know three things, that they're known, that they matter, and that they're loved. So maybe that's, maybe that's what you want to do. Uh, maybe that, that doesn't tickle your fancy either. Well, what about this? Come under the bridge. Come wash feet. You want to come wash someone's feet? That's a pretty powerful exercise. You want to come cut hair. Maybe you can cut hair. There's something for everybody to engage. If you just want to talk to people, if you just want to stand around the edges and pray, come do that too. But come be a part of it. You're, you're going to sponsor the night. It's your night. We love having you. We want to encourage you to be there and come be a part of what's happening. We do 48 night strikes a year and uh, we mobilize about 10,000 people a year through through night strike. And we see all kinds. of so You're going to see all kinds of other Christian people under that bridge with us that night. And then Darren will close it up and his goal is to get the loudest amen you can hear in Portland at the end of the, the night. So you hear these groups of people going, amen! And if it's not loud enough, he makes them do it over again until they say amen loud enough. But I'm going to close with this because I I just want to share this with you because I think it's important that there's a lot of different characters in the story of the Good Samaritan. There's the religious people. There's the Good Samaritan himself. There's the man who finds himself in the ditch. And then there's the the innkeeper. And there's actually even the donkey. All of those are characters in this story. But what I find is sometimes I see myself in every one of these people. And I want to challenge you with this. And this is why... I think Matt said it so well that God gives us grace. He gives us his grace. But there are times where I find myself when it comes to loving people because people matter with a couple of things going on. I find myself, as the director of an urban humanitarian work, I find myself with no time for people sometimes. I find myself with no passion for others at times. Maybe you relate to some of these things. I find myself as only focused on me at times. It's really easy to be focused on me because look at me. It's easy to focus on me. (laughs) I find myself with a twinge of pity for people, but no compassion. I can find myself even to the place where I just can't bother. I can find myself as being judgmental. I can find myself with someone else who will do it. I can also see myself as, look at me and look at what I'm doing. That's the worst one. Check me out, man. Look what I'm doing. Every Thursday night, I'm under the bridge. But the one that I think we all find ourselves in, we find ourselves in all those, but every one of us will find us sometime in our life in the ditch, cast off on the side of the road, because we have an enemy who comes to steal kill and destroy we may not get assaulted physically but we are getting assaulted every day spiritually and we'll be cast off to the side and so it's important if it doesn't happen here first if we're not aware of the castaway here if we're not aware of the one in the ditch sitting right next to us then we should never be going under a bridge it has to start here I have to be aware of my brother and sister. I have to be aware of those going on to me. But also, if I'm in the ditch, I need to let you know that I'm in the ditch. I need to let you know that I need a brother. I loved it this morning. A, a, a lovely lady came in the back room to share what was going on, and the staff just jumped to their feet. And they just put their hands on her and went to, she's in the ditch, and they jumped into the ditch with her just like that. That's the church. I want to encourage you this morning as you hear the rest of the word from Pastor Dave, as you come down this week, the best way you can relate to my friends on the bridge is let them know how you're in the ditch as well. Because that's how you'll relate. You're not going to relate if you have a house, because they don't have a house, some of them. You're not going to relate if you don't have a felony, because they have a felony. You're not going to relate with all your clean, shiny, nice stuff. You're going to relate because you've been in the ditch and you've reached out to God, and God took your hand and pulled you out of that. That's how you're going to relate. So God bless you, and I hope to see you this Thursday. I hope to see you down there. Will I be down there? I think I'll be down there. I'll be down there. Come say hi, and I'll be hanging out walking around probably with Dave. And uh, we love you, and thank you, Hillside Christian Fellowship, for the time and for the opportunity to come share with you. And God bless you. Thank you.
0: praise God. I got lots of thoughts running through my head, and I have my pencil in my hand, so it means I've been writing notes and thoughts. Um, Good Samaritan. Anybody here ever feel like you can relate to the donkey? it's the real deal. I'm thankful though that we find in scripture that God uses a donkey to bring even correction, redirection, health, life, safety. And sometimes us donkeys, God wants to use us to do the same thing. Um... I have, uh, I just have a couple of thoughts also in relationship to the battle. So the reality, and you would see it in Revelation chapter 12, which is where we would be this morning. You'll need to come tonight at 6 o'clock to hear the rest of the story, the verse by Verse. But it is noteworthy that in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7 that John while on the island of Patmos was inspired by the Spirit of God to write these words out and there was war in heaven. There was war in heaven. And there is a war in the heavenlies. And you and I are bombarded on all sides. Sometimes, like those in Revelation chapter 12 where we hear of how they overcame, sometimes you and I are in a place of overcoming the wiles of the devil. But there are other times in our life where we've simply listened to the lies that have been spoken. We've listened, like Eve In the garden, Paul says to the church in Corinth, he says, I'm concerned for you that the craftiness of the devil has deceived you like he did Eve in the garden. He deceived. Sometimes you and I, we find ourselves in places of deception, sometimes it's self deception. We simply believe the things that are rolling around in our own minds and our own hearts, and we believe stories about maybe how we were raised, maybe what our parents said, maybe what a teacher once said. Maybe someone has said to you, you'll never amount to anything. That is a lie from the pit of hell. It's a lie. But sometimes we look at the person in the mirror in the morning and we say, it must be true because I can't do it. And that's a lie from the pit of hell. The word of God says, all things are possible. How many things? All things. I can do all things. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Here's the thing. Maybe maybe you say, well, you know, it was funny, ha-ha, about being like a donkey. But the reality is, some of you are living in the ditch and you've become familiar with ditch living and it's become the new norm for you and we want to remind you today from the word of God that that is not where God intended you to live the beauty about ditch living and being in the ditch from time to time is it does enable us to love on others who are in the ditch that we can comfort them with the comfort that we have received from the Lord but we're not supposed to stay there I'm reminded and we prayed back in the back Isaiah 40 or excuse me uh, Proverbs no Psalm 40 if it was Proverbs 40 we'd have a new we'd have a new book in the Bible (laughs) Psalm 40 I waited patiently for the Lord And he inclined and heard my cry. He lifted me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and he set my feet upon the rock and made my footsteps firm. He lifted me up. He heard my cry. It's like in the the book of Exodus and the children of Israel when they were in bondage in Egypt. He saw and he heard and he came down. And he delivered. God does that. God pulls us out. But we have remembrance of what it was like. And so when we come and we encounter with others who are in a ditch and we hear their story, I cannot emphasize what Marshall said about getting to know the person. You know what I love? I love getting to know their name and then calling someone by name do you know the difference charlie linda you know month after month after month you 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 get to know people sometimes you get to know and you see the same folks and you and you call them by name and they remember that and it does something dignity someone knows me I matter, someone knows me, and I matter, and I'm loved. And that's big, that's big. And we listen. How many of us, and just ask yourself this question, I wish someone knew what was going on in my life. I wish someone knew. Maybe you've tried to share And you know what it's like when you're trying to share and someone's looking over your shoulder? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm sorry, what? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. That doesn't feel very good. We don't feel like we've been heard. If we listen and we affirm, we say things like, "That that must be tough. That's hard. We identify. Not so quick to tell our story, but rather slow to speak and quick to listen. I think that's biblical. Just pretty sure. I think that's James. And it, the Lord will allow you to be salty. The Lord will allow your life to be a light but I love about the very nature that God has placed inside of these earthen vessels, his light, the more broken we are, the more opportunity for his light to shine out. And so my encouragement to you is on Thursday night and really on Sunday afternoon, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, on Sunday, let yourself. You don't have to pretend. We don't. We don't have to act ever as if we have it going on. In fact, if you're here this morning and you got it going on, will you just simply raise your hand? You're like, man, I've arrived. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, none of us have arrived, and yet sometimes our tendency is to portray that we have. And then the comparing begins to happen. People begin to compare. Man, I can't do that. I'm not Marshall. I, I can't go minister on the streets of Portland. I'm not Marshall. Or I can't do that because you fill in the blank. Listen, just be you. God has made you, you. We don't have to pretend to try and be somebody else. Be you. And be, be the best you. That's letting Jesus live through you. I'm crucified. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I become salt. I become light. So that battle, it's interesting to note there is a war. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and destroy. There is much in Scripture about spiritual warfare. I would simply note to you three things, and you can just jot these down and we're going we're gonna to be finished. By the way, you do have cards on your seat like this. You should have had cards on your seat. Please, I know some of you, to sit down, you like put them on the seat next to you, and then someone sat down and they moved four over and then they move six over. And, then they move, and you may have to have them pass those back down to you. I would that everyone here would take two of our little touch cards. Easter's coming. And there's people that you will encounter at work. There's neighbors that you will encounter on your street. There's someone at the gas station that you get gas from every week or every couple of weeks there's someone that you're buying your groceries from you see they're a familiar face will you through the relationships that you have make invitations to come and hear the glorious uh, story of our resurrected Lord and Savior what a great opportunity we have coming up in two weeks that's the encouragement but all of that Revelation chapter 12 capitalizing on that battle piece, there's three things. If you look at Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, and there's a reference to a group of people known as they. And they. And the they is revealed to us from the preceding verse. It is those that overcame. It is those that the enemy was making accusation of, night and day day and night before the throne of god he was making accusation just like right now he's making accusations night and day day and night before the throne of god about you you see when he tempts and when we give in to temptation and sin He takes that information, comes before the throne, and makes accusation about you and about me. And this, verse 11, tells us how they overcame. How they overcame him, the accuser of the brethren. The one who has instigated the war in heaven, if you will. It says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. Three things. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb. The Lamb's blood. There's only one. Jesus won the victory. Colossians 2 reminds us that he he triumphed over him. In fact, the written law condemns you and I because of our transgressions we are convicted if you will and we stand condemned but Jesus our hero triumphed over the enemy through the cross it's the blood of the lamb our salvation is found in no other name Acts chapter 4 reminds us there is no name given under heaven and earth whereby man must be saved saving Jesus Christ it's Jesus, the blood of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. Just two thoughts about the word of their testimony. Number one, they had confession unto salvation through Jesus. Is your confession today through Jesus. But something else about the word of their testimony, I'm reminded of. You see, the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When I think of the word of their testimony, their testimony comes from the truth of of the Word of God. And you and I, we must, like Jesus, have the Word of God dwelling richly in us. Paul encouraged the church in Colossus, let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you. You remember Jesus in the wilderness when he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness. He fasted 40 days, and the Scripture says he was hungry. He was at a moment of weakness. And then he was challenged who he is, just like you be challenged by your enemy your adversary, who is roaming around, roaring like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. He'll challenge you. Well, if you're a child of God, how come God's not answering your prayer? And sometimes we look at it and we yeah, he's not answering my prayer. And somehow we think, there must be something wrong with me, and we begin to believe a lie that isn't true. Satan said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn these stones into some bread? If. Questioning. If. What did Jesus do? He corrected the devil's theology. I like that. He quoted the word of God. The word of God was dwelling richly in him, so he spoke the word of God to destroy the argument Paul, writing to the church in Corinthians, he reminds us, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God, pulling down strongholds, casting down imaginations, bringing every thought to the obedience of Christ. He used the word of God to bring thoughts to the obedience of Christ. When you start listening to those lies, man, let the word of your testimony flow through. Let the word of God speak forth that which is true. Does that make sense? Sometimes you actually have to say it out loud. Listen, Titus chapter 2. You can look at it on your own. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. The Bible tells us the grace of God that brings salvation, the grace of God that has appeared to all men that brings salvation has, I'll misquote it. He says this, and you should read it in the NIV also, teaching us to say no to ungodliness, worldly passions in this present age teaching us to say no. Sometimes we have to say no. No. The Word of God says. The Word of God says. The Word of God says. Does that make sense? Let's practice saying no, right? Because your adversary, the devil, he might be even whispering in your ear right now that somehow this doesn't apply to you. Or maybe he's just simply blocking your thinking right now So that when you leave here, you say things like, yeah, I didn't get anything out of the sermon today. Ever happen? I didn't get anything. We sometimes don't get anything because we come in and there's too much stuff that we're thinking about and we miss the truth. Who's doing that? Who's confusing your mind and my mind and clouding it with more and more stuff to worry about? If I'm not mistaken, the Bible says worry about nothing be anxious for nothing be anxious some of our versions be anxious for a few things but not much no that's not what it says it says be anxious for nothing worry about nothing Jesus says by worrying which one of you has added anything to your life no one Let's not listen to the lies we need to quote. We need to say no. Let's practice saying no on the count of three. Say no and say it really loud. Are you ready to say if you don't say it loud? I'm gonna ask Darren to come up here and he's gonna get you to say it really loud. <laughs> All right, are you ready? One, two, three. No. That's pretty good. Now we should practice that. Not while I'm preaching. <laughs> I only have two more points. No. (laughs) Thank you. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony. And we quote those two often. And we miss the third. We miss the third. Verse 11, Revelation chapter 12. And they did not love their lives to the death. Now, I'm pretty sure when Marshall was up here sharing, he referenced a million crosses. Find yours and die there. Jesus reminds us, Luke draws it out. I love Dr. Luke. I love his gospel. I love them all, but I love his gospel. He is the most exacting use of the Greek language, Koine Greek. And I'll just tell you, it's a complete language. And Dr. Luke uses, the Holy Spirit uses him to say things that are just fascinating to me. And he says, I wrote it down. And there go some notes. It's exciting. He says these words in Luke 9. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Never did the word if mean so much. A small word with a big meaning. If anyone desires to come after me if anyone desires to be a disciple he must deny himself the testimony of these they did not love their lives to the death death of self death literally many here were martyred for their faith it's interesting that we get the English word martyr from uh, from the word witness. Witness in the Greek is martyr. And we will be witnesses unto Jesus. That means Dave is martyred. I die daily, Paul said. Paul said to the churches of Galatia, he said, I have been crucified with Christ. Death. amen let's practice those three things let's be engaged in the ministry let's be engaged let me say that better let's be engaged in the kingdom of god and let's do it the way jesus prescribed it does that make sense good let's stand will you stand with me this morning We have a lot of stuff coming up. And I believe that it's kingdom-related stuff. The mission endeavor, beginning on Thursday evening, Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. We are all day Friday. We had a group on the streets of Portland. We have a Friday night community dinner at Wichita. We have a Saturday downtown outreach we've been a part of well, for 11 years, a hillside and some additional 19 years uh, all the way back to the days of college. Just just loving on people in the street, on the street, in, in community, praying for businesses, praying for the city, praying for our leadership. Come on up, you guys. Worship team is going to come. They're going to lead us in a song, and then we'll be done. Then into the middle of spring break, there's a group going up to Seattle, and we're repeating what we do right here. We're going to be doing on the streets in Seattle. And if you'd like more information, you can stop by our mission table in the in the foyer and those guys will give you some information about that. You can be a part of one aspect, the whole thing. You can be a part of the whole thing on the front end or just one aspect. You can be a part of the tail end thing, but if it's going to be kind of tough to be involved in one thing up in Seattle, right? You, if you go up to Seattle, you'll probably be engaged in all of it up there. Uh, and then we come back on Saturday. We have an outreach right here. Our... Easter egg hunt. We've got 2,000 eggs that are being stuffed. We're hoping for two, maybe 250 kids. And we just want to love on them in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. So lots coming. Lots for you and I to be praying about. Let's, let's overcome in the battles where the enemy is attacking our lives. The blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and not loving our lives. I would encourage you this week. In your closet time with your father, ask him about what that looks like for you. Do not love your life. What things have you placed even as a higher priority over your relationship, maybe even with the father? We just want to encourage you in those areas. Father, as we come this morning and we simply, we simply say thank you for who you are, for what you've done for the call of God upon our lives. We are Christ's ambassadors, every one of us. We are missionaries, every one of us. Lord, some of us have been called to love and be present, an ever-present place of help, a humanitarian need with the love of Jesus. On the streets of Portland, others have been called to do that as a laborer on some production line or maybe serving coffee to men and women in a restaurant, wherever it may be, we get to be the extension of the love of Christ. We are Christ's ambassadors first, and then wherever you have us living that part out, God, help us to be the body of Christ. Lord, to see these things working in our lives, Lord, help us to die to ourselves daily, that the things of this world, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches would not choke the word of God out of our lives but that the soil condition in our hearts would be in preparation to receive the implanted word of God that we would love like the Samaritan. God, we thank you. We ask your blessing in Jesus name. Let's sing together.